The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. We are at Sweet 16 time of the NCAA tournament. We've got the NFL draft coming up in a month. The Masters will be here in a couple weeks. Plus, my man Fez says he is going to fix college basketball with one rule change i cannot wait to hear about it it is the even money podcast my man fez is none other than steve fezzik at fezzik sports on twitter the only two-time winner of the super bowl of professional football gambling he is a legend out in vegas handicapper obviously bets professionally the whole deal i am ross tucker former NFL offensive lineman that I've been in the black a couple years in a row now with my NFL bets, and I am loving learning more about betting some of these other sports and knowing what to do more about the NCAA tournament or Masters pools, things like that. We're presented by BetDSI. It's not complicated. They are the best way to place any of your bets. In fact... You know, anytime any of you have ever emailed me any issue you've ever had with BetDSI, I email my contact there, it gets resolved immediately. That's huge, huge that you can just forward it to me. Hey, Ross, something happened here. Ross at RossHucker.com. I forward it to them. All is resolved after that. So that has been um, very, very, very cool. And plus the coolest part is that you guys get $15 for free when you use the code Tucker15 at betdsi.com. One more time, Tucker15, betdsi.com. Steve, let's start with last weekend. I was thinking about you quite a bit as Wichita State won and Minnesota lost and Rhode Island won, and both Wichita State and Rhode Island almost beat superior teams then in the second round. I mean, why don't they have you or the Vegas guys make the seeds since you had a pretty good idea who was overseeded and underseeded? Yeah, and it really was Vegas had the really good idea in terms of I'm privy to the power ratings, but I don't set them. And they knew that Wichita State was a top 15 team. They know Minnesota 
is it was ridiculous to give them a number five seed. So we we talk about it in Vegas. We can't understand why the whole entire country doesn't realize how I use the word completely incompetent. I'll I'll stand by it. If you make Wichita State a ten seed, Ross, you should never be allowed to be on a committee the rest of your life. So every one of those guys, other than the guys who protest and said we can't do this, um, should be off that committee because if if Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik had been the ones commissioned to do, to make those seedings and we had done that, well, we'd be tarred and feathered, we'd be blackballed right out of the industry, and yet everyone just just looks away, and I just can't understand it. Yeah, I, I don't understand it either. I'm curious to know what other observations you had, Steve, from the opening weekend. Um, unbelievable that none of the top four seeds lost in in the first round. Um, there weren't even that many that were close to being an upset. I mean, Princeton almost beat Notre Dame in a 5-12, but um, well, I don't know what they even attribute that to, quite frankly. Randomness. You've got the teams that are favored, and in any one game they're supposed to win, but you play 10 or 12 of them or 32 of them, and you should get some upsets. And I summed it up Friday night. I sent the tweet, Ross. I said, in case you were working the entire last two days and you didn't watch any action, here's what happened. Princeton missed a three. Vanderbilt committed an own goal when they fouled ahead against Northwestern. And uh, Oklahoma State made a, a three that moved a lot of money around. That was all that happened in two days of action. So it was, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it was the least mad and the least exciting first two rounds of any tournament I've ever seen. I saw that tweet, Steve, and that was the perfect tweet. I mean, you were a thousand percent correct. That is exactly um, what happened, and it was a shame that Princeton missed that three. They should—they should have actually gotten a better shot. They shouldn't even been in that place. That was like the worst they've shot in a while. I mean, they—they they shot like a C game. They needed to shoot like an A or a B. So, anyway, um, what else? What did it mean for the books, Steve? Yeah, well, the books had a very good tournament. They held about 7%. They would have done even better. Um, all the favorites winning was bad for them early, but that crazy Sunday that kicked in, when you see the Dukes of the world and the Villanovas of the world losing outright, and the public loves to make lots of parlays on teams like that to win, and they'll lay the minus 300 on the money line, that goes a long way towards the books having a big Sunday. But where the books really got beat up on, Ross, the totals, 34, 17, and 1, to the over, and we started seeing some big inflation on these totals as the weekend went on. It wasn't enough. Um, games flying over. Uh, refs, three-man crews calling a whole bunch of fouls. Teams getting into the bonus before the second media timeout. So most fans picked the over, so that obviously was not, was not good. Right. So good for the betters, bad for the books. Got it. All right. Um, what about the second round that helps them out because of all the parlays in the, well, in the second round now, the, the folks, the public's still going to bet all the favorites. They're going to, no, no, I don't mean, I'm sorry. I don't mean sweet 16. I mean like Wisconsin beating Nova Duke losing, you know, that, that the biggest takeaway from that is that it helped them because of the people losing on the parlays. Exactly. So pretty much you can tell by how the book does after the game's end by the, how long the line is. 
And when Wisconsin beats Villanova right after that game goes final, instead of there being a rush of people going to the window to cash their tickets, there's a trickle because everyone seems to have had Villanova uh, laying the points or to win the game outright. Got it. Okay. So with the Sweet 16 coming up, um, starting tonight, what are some tips, notes, things that, that we need to keep in mind? I think I'll go back to the fact that two-thirds of the games have gone over. There's a tremendous amount of inflation going on with these totals because the public won betting overs, so they're going to continue to bet overs. The pros are reluctant to bet unders now because they got burned so much trying to fade these line moves. So I think all these totals are going to inflate such that I think if you played every one of these games under right before the games tip off, I think you're probably going to go five and three. And I think if you selectively play them, you might even do better. So I would look towards playing unders this round. It's almost like an NFL team, Ross, that goes over eight straight weeks. Vegas just won't allow a team to go 15 and one to the over. Eventually they'll set the total so high. There's value to the under. Why? Um, so yeah, explain that to me again. Why, why the under for all these games? Because uh, I'll use an NFL example. If you get a team like the Saints and they start going over four, five, six straight games in a row, those totals might have started at 51. They're going to get to 59 or 60. The books are going to inflate the number so high, it's going to be almost impossible to keep hitting overs. And that's happening in college basketball where we're seeing the books dealing totals that are much higher than they would have been had uh, we not seen all these overs already. So you're, you're paying a tax on the overs this week. All right. As we move forward, Steve, um, how about specific game picks? Want to go through some of the games and who, who you like? Absolutely. All right. Well, tonight we've got uh, the two 7 o'clock games, two later games. Michigan is against Oregon. What's the line? What's the total? And who do you like? The money's been on Michigan. They it's gone from pick to Michigan minus one and a half in most spots. The total at one forty-seven. I've been extremely impressed with Michigan since the plane crash. They have been just a juggernaut. However, all year long, Oregon has been not just the better team, but the much better team. I know their big man Boucher is hurt; that he's worth about a point and a half. But still, I'm kind of shocked that this line would say even if Boucher was in the lineup, that this line would be um, uh, pick him. Um, because he's worth a point and a half. I really think that the value here is to, to go with Oregon. Anything on the total? I would look, only look, oh, I know I just said, hey, go ahead and play, and, and play unders in most cases, but both these teams have been flying over the total. This is one game I don't want any part of the under. I would look over. The other game I think is a good one, uh, West Virginia Gonzaga. What do you think about that one? The pros and myself like West Virginia. We don't like that they played in Buffalo in the, in the epic blizzard in March, had to come back home, and now they've got to go to San Jose where they're gonna, there's going to be a Gonzaga crowd advantage. But Gonzaga has been leaking oil. I would argue five of their last six games, Ross, they haven't just played a suspect half. they played a terrible half. Whether you look at the Northwestern second half that they played, whether you looked at the first half that they played against Portland in the West Coast Conference opening round game they had where they only led by two points, the horrible loss to BYU, 
at home to end the regular season. This team looks to be leaking oil, and Ross, they don't handle pressure well of late. No one pressures the ball better than West Virginia, press Virginia, if you will. Um, ball control could be a big problem. Wouldn't surprise me if West Virginia gets them. Purdue against Kansas. Real tough game. Um, Kansas has trouble shooting free throws. Vegas thinks Kansas is probably the best team right now. They are, or North Carolina, but the consensus is Kansas is the best team, but we're concerned. It's a semi-home game that they will get up by the five points, but can they make enough free throws to extend the margin? And because of that, it's pretty much just a pass. Pass on the total also. Xavier in Arizona, the nightcap. So Xavier's a strange team. They, lo- they lose Sumner their stud point guard, and their season goes into the tank. If they're not playing DePaul, they go 1-6 and six Ross. They're just in a free fall. They're not even going to make the tournament if they don't get those games against DePaul. Then they rally. they got a great coach, and they played very well in this tournament. The one thing that concerns me, they've made approximately 20 out of their 53-pointers, and their opponents haven't made any. They've made 10 out of 50. So they're getting three-point shooting. The pros feel is largely random, and – that's why Xavier scores have been so biased towards them. Uh, big crowd advantage, San Jose for Arizona. Arizona's a team playing much better. Arizona lost to Xavier earlier in the year, so they have revenge. Arizona was not at full strength in that game. I want no part of Xavier. I hate laying seven and a half, but that's the only way I look in this game. Let's get to the Friday game, Steve. Butler against UNC. So UNC had a ideal matchup against Arkansas, a team that likes to run. UNC struggles when teams muck it up like uh, a Virginia or a Miami. But when they can just run in the open court, that's where they're at their best. Um, Their point guard, Barry, though, got hurt the game before, and he was awful against Arkansas. They almost lost that game after having like a 15 They should have lost that one. I'm actually amazed, Steve, watching the games. I mean, who was the other team? There was a couple teams that – they totally – I mean, there's a lot of different phrases I could use for what they did in the last two minutes, but none of them are good. One of them is swearing, uh, you know, pooping the bed. Another one, choking. I mean, it was like – it was mind-boggling how some of these teams just totally came apart at the seams the last two, two and a half minutes when they had it. They had the game. Oh, and even good teams do it. I mean, you look at what West Virginia did at Fog Allen when they're up, they're up 14 against Kansas with two minutes to play during the regular season, and the lights get brighter in March Madness. Ross, remember the kids from Northern Iowa last year in their second-round game? Kurt Warner's hugging Brenda. The, the game's over. Northern Iowa has won, and they just fall apart. So you never know how a team's going to handle that adversity when the game's gone well for 38 minutes, and then all of a sudden it starts tightening. Okay, um, we got some more games to get to on Friday night. How about Baylor against South Carolina? By the way, I would lean to Butler against North Carolina. I don't know if I said that. Um, this one is, I think, a product of a total that is this high only because all these games have been flying over. You've got two very defensive teams, um, Two slower-paced teams. South Carolina, I know they scored 1,000 against Duke in the second half, but South Carolina can't score. They're offensively challenged, and they play really good defense. 
Baylor plays slow and they play really good defense. They're only average on offense. The total's 135. I really don't know what's going to happen on the side, although I'd lean to Baylor just because South Carolina beating Duke's got to be, you know, in football terms, a tear down the goalposts, hug each other, go home and celebrate for three days. And oftentimes those teams can't get back up. But the under sure looks good to me here under the 135. UCLA, Kentucky. And now here's one that you've got two high-flying teams. They played back in December. It was uh, They scored about 190 points. And both teams have actually been focusing on defense more. Their last 24 games, 19-5 and five to the under, Ross. The problem is, is that I bet this and I gave it out under 168.5. And now it's 165.5. So I really don't have any interest in the total right now at 165.5. But it probably will go back up because the public will probably bet over. Um, I got to feel they're pretty, two pretty equal teams. I love the revenge angle. The fact that Kentucky lost the first game, the fact that um, UCLA has some distractions, um, you know, with their program, Lonzo's balls, talking about how great his kid is. Um, my gut feels tells me that um, UCLA is the favorite in a few spots, minus one. If I can get Kentucky plus one, I got to bet Kentucky. And then how about Wisconsin against Florida Friday night? Yeah, you know, Wisconsin only shoots 64% from the free throw line. And I know we've had all this talk about how good Wisconsin is in the NCAA tournaments and, and the like, but let's face it, they, I mean, they're two really stud players that made their final four run, uh, you know, Frank the Tank and, um, and Decker. I mean, those were the NBA players. I don't know if Wisconsin has an NBA player. Um, Florida, they lost their big man, so they struggled after that. But Florida... Their problem, Ross, has been that they just don't win end games. They've lost a lot of close games. In fact, every loss they had all year long was, I believe, by less than double digits. So if this game gets really close, you talk about you know, the pressure being too much. Wisconsin has been there and Florida hasn't. I might just play Florida first half to avoid that end game jitters. I do think Florida's the better team. Really, really looking forward to all these games. Sweet 16, always fun. No real, uh, not really any Cinderella's, so to speak, but um, still some lower-seeded teams. Uh, what about your plan, Steve, to fix college basketball? How exactly are you going to do that? Very good. By the way, I, I do think Xavier's a Cinderella. I'm going to count Xavier as a – Okay, uh, all right. Well, I, I guess I meant like a uh, mid-major. I don't, I don't look at them as being a mid-major, you know? Sure. Uh, they're not a mid-major. That They're in a um, – uh, they're a well-known kind. I'm talking about like South Dakota State or a Princeton or a Bucknell or something like that. Right. Let's fix college basketball. The foul rules. I'm not a big basketball fan, and the reason Ross is there's too much of a disruption in action. Um, now you could make that argument like in the NFL. The same thing is true. I, I look. It looks like Pete Rizzo is going to is going to. Or Roger Goodell, sorry, Pete Rizzo, um, is going, <laughs> that, that's hilarious, um, is going to change the rules. We're not going to have the double um, commercial breaks on kickoffs this year. It looks like we're going to just have one commercial break before the kickoff. The, uh, the disruption going to the free throw line is terrible in college basketball. And the way to fix it, in my opinion, you, you commit a foul, go ahead and reward one free throw and let the team keep the ball. So what does that do? Now it's a pretty onerous thing to commit a foul. So you're not going to see as much reaching. You're not going to see as much hacking of big men in the paint. If there's a fast break, 
You're not going to see the point guard just get run you know, right out of bounds and, and a foul getting committed because it's optimal for a team to play that well that way to stop fast breaks. And, and a, a bad free throw shooter gets the ball, you just hack him um, in position where he's going to score. The game would flow so much better. I don't know why the rule is as it currently is because the way I'm advocating, if that had always been the rule, one free throw and you keep the ball, and someone said, hey, we'll go to this one-and-one, and then these two free throw rules – and that was um, being thrown out. People would laugh at that and say, that's a terrible rules change. Why wouldn't we keep it the way it is where a foul is a pretty onerous thing to commit? Um, I, in the final minute, you can, you can go ahead and revert it back to two free throws because I understand you've got to have a way for the team that's behind to catch up. But I really think that that's a rules change that both college basketball and the NBA would be a much better game with. Well, I was thinking, is there a way to make the end of the game better? Because the issue I have is the end of the game. I, I just... You know, I mean, sometimes it starts with two minutes left and they're down by 17 and they start fouling and it's like, oh my God. And I know that's their only shot is hopefully and they miss foul shots, you hit a three. Miss foul shots, hit a three. But it's just, it's not, it's not a good watch. And that's why make it, make that strategy only employable in the final one minute, not the final two and a half minutes. Um, the, the game is just uh, last, the end game lasts way too long when we already know who's going to win unless there's a miracle. Team's up 11, and they start playing the foul game with a minute 40 to go. It's just unwatchable. Yeah, I I don't care for it at all. Um, We're going to talk about it a little bit more um, moving forward. Any early thoughts on the Masters, Steve? You know, it's a little bit early for me. What I like to do in my bets, I don't like to bet long shots. Um, in terms of needle in the haystacks, who's going to win the tournament. However, I like to play the player matchups. So those will be out later on where I can bet honor against Phil Mickelson and how he'll do against another golfer, by example. Those are the bets that most of the pros I know make. But I can tell you this. I don't think I've ever seen this before. I looked at the odds on who's going to win the Masters. And right now, uh, Speed is 7-1. David Johnson is 7-1. Rory McIlroy is 7-1. Every other golfer is 17 to 1 or higher. So you've got three absolutely clear cut favorites versus the rest of the golfers. And it wouldn't surprise me if someone doesn't put a lineup where one of those big three wins. So I thought, I'm not, I'm not an avid golf follower or better. I thought this thing would be wide open with like 10 golfers, but there's three that have absolutely separated themselves. Yep. I love it. Well, we'll talk more about that. As we get a little bit closer to that event, I've got a question for you about pools. And um, I guess uh, the cousin of that is, you know, the box things that people do for football games or Super Bowl or whatever. I know we talked about that before, but um, I know that there's some new listeners. So we want to get into that as well. There's a bunch of off-season topics and sporting events that we're going to dive into. But we probably could use your help. Just send us any email you have. Take advantage of any of our sponsors or just hit us up on social media with specific questions that you have, things you'd like Steve and I to discuss here on the Even Money Podcast, bets you're thinking about making. Let's make this thing as interactive as possible. Just take advantage of any of the sponsors over at RossTucker.com and send me an email, Ross at RossTucker.com with your question. I guarantee Steve will read and respond to it. And we'll get into some really cool topics moving forward. Other than that, for right now, I think we're done. Good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. 
Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found. All right, it's March, which means it's time for the madness. And it's crunch time in the NBA. So you know we got it all covered on the big podcast with me, Shaq. And we're way more than just sports, Shaquille. So be prepared to laugh, folks, as we bring you the best basketball coverage, the biggest names in hoops, like Kevin Garnett, Chris Paul, Dick Vitale, Grant Hill, Chris Webber, and many, many more. The big podcast with Shaq. Check us out with new episodes every Monday at podcastone.com.